Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. Guys of a Certain Age, the podcast that doesn't come in decaffeinated. It's only caffeine and more caffeine and extra caffeine. Robbie Koblenz, who's usually hyped up on caffeine, coming at you on this episode along in studio with... Jay Reed. And from somewhere we don't know... Art Shirley. Art Shirley's there. I, you're hanging out with Baron Zemo out in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere. Is what you're doing. Oh, oh, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Did okay. Nice yeah. weekend after a little uh, rain and hail last night. Yeah, I tell you, that yeah, was... pretty day right now. That was kind of... Uh, we had a lot of hail come through where we were most hell I've ever seen, and it was kind of crazy. So we had a um, we had a lightning storm over the lake we were watching. And uh, do you guys remember the the last version of War of the Worlds, uh, the Spielberg directed with Tom Cruise? How uh, before the aliens came, there was this lightning storm that just got worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's exactly what we saw last night. It was kind of wow. cre- it was kind of creepy. It was all cloud to cloud, and then uh, then the hail came. So. By the way, I don't know if I ever mentioned, uh, I finally saw the BBC version that I've been wanting to see that had been on AMC. Yeah. How was it? I think it's, it was not good. It was just really kind of dull. <laughs> wow. I was disappointed. Yeah. Uh, we, had, we, we all thought, and the first episode opens up and you think, oh, this is going to be really good. And it just it was not snooze fest. Wow. <laughs> Sorry to say. Well, the um, um, it's on FilmRise, which is a um, new streaming service app sort of thing. So if you download FilmRise to your iOS device. Um, you know, you can watch it free. So I just made it's also on Prime, I think now. Is it? Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, I may have to watch it on Prime then just yeah. to just to fall asleep one night. So there you go. All right, let's jump into them geeks of the week. What do you have, Mr. Shirley, for your uh nugget of knowledge you're going to enlighten us with? Well, we have talked about the Snyder Cut and uh did a, a long version, a long podcast on the Snyder Cut, which is also a long thing, but now there's the Zemo Cut which is on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And Daniel Bruhl, who plays uh, Baron Zemo, the uh, the villain that has been released, for those of you watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, in episode three, uh, and he takes him to a nightclub in uh, Madripoor, which was, uh, am I saying that right? I think that's the city where they were trying to find out who the power broker was. Yeah. And there's a little scene where in the, they're in this disco, and you see Baron Zemo dancing a little bit. And he mentioned Daniel Brühl mentioned he said oh there was there was you know actually a much longer segment of that so fans demanded the release of the Zemo cut <laughs> much in the same way they had demanded the release of the Schneider cut which you know turned into the extended version of the Justice League movie and so now there's a, a little bit longer version of episode three on a little on bit di- <laughs> yeah well I mean it's only a few minutes though it's the what they that version is only a little bit longer right what is it ten minutes oh. longer. I'm thinking about the no, that, other about thing on, they released. You're about to step on my. You're about to step on my geek. Jay, I'm just. I'm segueing okay. you in. Oh, there you go. That's that's how we're going to spend it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, as Jay was alluding to, there is a different. There's also another version that they put together, which is an hour of looped footage. Uh, it's a YouTube video. It's an hour of looped footage of uh, Zemo, and I think it's only like three minutes of actual footage. And they just looped it over and over. It may not be that long because I think that it repeats about 139 times is what I read. So it must be only, you know, can't be that long. And uh, 
and it just is a loop over and over of him dancing the same little dance and uh, uh that's uh, the zemo uh that's not the zemo cut but that's uh that's him uh marvel released that too so marvel having fun uh you know i and i really think you know there's probably some of the um you know, some of the fan service involved in it too, but I think it's kind of a little fun wink to uh, the Schneider cut as well. The, the, the fact that they did that, so that was that was good stuff. I'm, I'm watching it now. I didn't realize it had been released. I didn't realize it was another. <laughs> they had extended the episode. I thought it was just the hour long dance thing, which I watched a little bit, and I thought I'm gonna fast forward and see. And sure enough, it was loop. Thankfully, this is now, great. From what I understand, and uh, I think that. That original episode, you know, was it was right at you know forty five minutes or whatever. It's now at fifty three or something, you know. So uh, it's a little bit longer version of that. So I'm I'm looking now. Yeah, it's fifty three. So so they um, I'll have to go back and rewatch that then. So that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Have y'all watched? Everybody caught up on Falcon and Winter Soldier? I'm, I haven't watched yesterday's. Yeah, okay, I, just, I, I I finished this morning. So yeah, really good episode last time. This past fourth fourth episode was really good. Well and. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was going to say, well, we've got two more episodes left, so I guess in a, in a couple of weeks we'll do a Falcon and Winter Soldier wrap-up. There's yeah. just six? There's just six. Oh, oh yeah. Art, you should have seen the look on his face. I was like, there are just six? Man, so yeah. sad, sad puppy look. But that means Loki's coming, right? When that's over, Loki's next. Yeah, yeah in June, I think, June 9th, yeah. maybe, something like that. Okay. Yeah, I knew it wasn't just right away like uh, – Falcon and Winter Soldier took up the next Friday, I believe, right? Maybe they skipped one week between yeah. WandaVision, but I, I think it was pretty much right after WandaVision. Yeah. But we've got a little bit of a wait now before Loki comes out. Well, I, I will say this. Um, the Falcon and Winter Soldier is turning into probably the most um, social justice-focused piece in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far. It's not quite uh, on the level of Watchmen, but some of the things, mm-hmm. some of the themes that were introduced in Episode Four, uh, are really, really thought provoking. And I won't mm-hmm. spoil anything for you, Jay. Um, you know, but it's it's really the definition of what is a superhero and who is a superhero uh, to who is really, really fascinating. So yeah, there was a, there was a lot of good points and just a, just a good episode altogether. I thought. But yeah, just a lot of like uh, thought provoking is a good way to put it. Uh, just you know, you go, wow, okay, and and I think that's when it's the best when it works in something that you know makes you think as opposed to tells you what to think. But uh, the, I think that, that they do a good job of that. Well, and the dude playing uh, John Walker is great. Um, what's his name? Wyatt Russell. Wyatt Russell. Russell. Yeah, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son. Yep. And. You look at him, and you can see both of them. Absolutely. So, yeah, especially he'll say some stuff or his mannerisms that he really comes across like Kurt. But yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's doing a good job because uh, uh, you know it's it's this character that's not meant to be likable, but he's making him very um, understandable in and, his motivations and very very three dimensional as well. Yeah, so uh-huh. we'll yeah. we'll get into that in a couple of weeks. So, all right. Mm-hmm. Mr. Reed, what do you have for a geek of the week? I'm excited to hear there is a new Kickstarter uh, program for a new season and more of Mystery Science Theater 3000. I saw that. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize, I'm, I'm as usual, I'm way behind. I didn't realize that there was two seasons of it on Netflix that I could actually watch. I watched it way back in the day when it first started. Yeah. Loved it. And then kind of you know, lost track of it. And um, so I'm going to go back and watch some of those. 
But they're they're doing this thing where they they wanted to raise two million. I looked at the Kickstarter before I came in today. They've already raised two and a half million. Yes, and they have like wow. up to five something million. Where you know, if we get to this point, we'll do this. If we get to this point, we'll do more. But what they're doing now, I think, is three episodes and something called the Gizmoplex. So apparently, when they did the uh, these previous two seasons, Netflix picked them up, but they didn't renew for the third. So they're trying to come up with this online quote unquote live theater app or something so that they can just broadcast it right there without having have a network support it. Oh, nice. And then more, you know, the more they raise, the more episodes they can produce without, you know, outside support, but whatever this gizmoplex is, they're trying to develop it uh, with this money too. So we can watch, you know, without having to have a streaming service and keep in mind that, um, you know, Kickstarter's no guarantee of, of, of a product at the end of the line, if you participate, you are. It's a speculative venture, so we don't want to imply here and get ourselves in legal trouble. Well, maybe Jay doesn't care, but you know, I was unaware. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I care. I just yeah, oh, I love Kickstarter. I, I've run a couple of Kickstarters and participated in a bunch, but yeah, yeah. Once they reach that, raise that goal, and the the Kickstarter get date is fulfilled once you get past the the date of it they're under no obligation to deliver anything really at all period so it's just your reputation that's at stake that's right and jay's thinking hmm what can i kick start and swindle people with so, oh no 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 of course but i do have a wedding coming up uh <laughs> kick start that and we'll, yeah. we'll say that's not jay's wedding so no. Uh, no even though it is but it's not does that make sense? Yes. Well, yeah, right. Financially, it is. I'll own the wedding. Yes. There you go. There you mm-hmm. go. All right. Cool beans. Well, my uh, my Geek of the Week, um, which I thought you would take, Art, because it's got a little Star Trek mix to it. Um, Paramount did a big release uh, date shuffle this week where they've uh, come in and, and moved their, their next slate, COVID-inspired, of course, movies. Um, across the next couple of years, and they announced that there's going to be a new Star Trek movie June 9, 2023. And um, we we don't know exactly which movie this is. We don't know if this is a Kelvin timeline. Uh, we don't know if this is the Quentin Tarantino movie that we've talked about. We just have no idea. We just know that, um, you know, there's supposed to be a Star Trek movie June of 2023. Um, you know, there was there was some movie news released a couple weeks ago that there was a movie being written by, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Kalita Vasquez, who's a producer and writer on Discovery. Um, J.J. Abrams was attached, but, um, you know, folks have said that this announced movie is not that movie. So who knows when it's going to be or what it's going to happen. But, you know, anyway, so Paramount has said we're getting new Star Trek. Um and that may end up being seven years since the last movie. Would that does that sound right? Yeah, that'd be about right. Um, you know, but my speculation is it's going to be Star Trek Four. They're going to get Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth back together again. You know, they, those are the those are the reasons that uh, the two of them were. Uh, I think some salary disputes and some things scheduling things were, were reasons they couldn't participate in Star Trek Four. Yeah. And I think they're going to have those work. They they either have or will have those worked out. I don't think the Tarantino thing's going to happen. I just really think that's kind of been uh, the, the more you hear about that, there's always something that's pushing that back. And I just I feel like that's probably not going to be the one that happens. But yeah, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see the Kelvin timeline cast do another 
another movie, but uh, I, I thought they were great. I thought they were really, mm-hmm. really good. I really enjoyed them. Um, Unless they just do something, you know, completely different. But I just I can't imagine that. Uh, I, I think probably the safe bet is going to be Calvin uh, Kelvin timeline, uh, but and Star Trek Four. So what's Kelvin timeline? Enlightened. That's the Ramai. I'll let you tell it, Art. You tell it better. That's that's the J.J. Abrams reboot. and uh, The one with Chris Pine? Yes. Okay. Yeah, with right. Chris Pine and uh, Zachary Quinto. and In, uh, in, in that timeline. Zoe Saldana. Yeah. You've got, in that timeline, you've got a Romulan that goes back in time to try to find Spock to kill him because he's mad because Spock didn't save his planet and ends up uh, destroying the USS Kelvin. Oh, which okay. helmed, helmed by. Helmed by. Well, Chris Hemsworth, yeah, who, was Star- who was James Kirk's father, yeah, George for, Kirk, for like twenty seconds. Okay, yeah, you know, because yeah. Um, the, yeah, this is before anybody knew who Chris Hemsworth was. Yeah, so yeah, he this was before Thor. This was before Thor. Okay. So Hemsworth was his father. Ends up getting killed, which changes the entire timeline because in the original series of Star Trek, uh, his father was not killed. So oh, okay, right, All right. and. And James Kirk grows up to be a very responsible and, you know, head of his class kind of uh, Star Trek Academy uh, cadet and, and Star does those Fleet so, Academy. Star, Starfleet, Starfleet Academy. Yeah. I can't Thank believe. I, yeah. What's interesting is I'm actually looking at the Starfleet handbook as I say that. So it's it's kind of bizarre that I got that wrong. But wow. Well, I'm, I'm looking at a book full of Star Trek uh uh, a shelf full of Star Trek books right there. But anyway, yeah, Starfleet Academy. So the whole way that everybody came together is completely different. But yeah. uh, So it changes all the future, and, and that's how they were able to recast everybody and, okay. and get a right. different original series tag. I think I remember the incident mm-hmm. you're talking about. I just didn't realize it all the timeline. It was yeah, USS- that's why it's called that. Yeah, okay. it, it was the USS Kelvin incident. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and on in addition to Star Trek, um, that that announcement uh, looks like Top Gun Maverick is going to move from July second weekend to um, the November nineteenth weekend, and then Mission Impossible Seven, which was supposed to be November nineteenth, is going to move to May twenty seventh of twenty twenty two. And Mission Impossible Eight, which they're, I guess they're shooting at the same time, was yeah. like right after that. Wasn't yeah, it? and so it's it's moving to July seven twenty twenty three. So. Yeah crazy um i guess they're <laughs> they're trying to shoot it while they can't with tom cruise because you never know what happens um mm-hmm. and i saw where indy five indiana jones five i saw that too yeah was announced baby waller bridge did you see that yeah uh fleabag star she was yeah. uh she she she, was, beca- she became the soul of the millennium falcon right back in uh solo uh-huh. a star wars story or film or whatever it was called so yep all right. Well, that'll do it for this side of the uh, of the break. On the other side, we're going to talk our favorite superhero teams that are not guys of a certain age. We're back after a small break as we're going to talk superhero teams. And uh, I thought this was a good idea. I, was this your idea, Art? Whose idea was this? It wouldn't mind. I think it was Jay's. Was it yours, Jay? It, it's a well, morph of my idea. It's a morph of your yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah. So Jay was talking originally about some of the, and maybe this is the way to start it off. Jay, if you want to talk about uh, the announcement you saw about kind of alternative superhero groups, hero groups that, that may have originated the comics, but aren't part of the, the, uh, the big groups that we've seen with justice league and the Avengers. Well, I think actually what it was is a list of comic superhero related 
either TV or movies, <clears throat> mostly TV that was coming out over the next couple of years. And a lot of them just happened to be other groups besides the groups yeah. that we, that we know. Cause you know, uh, Falcon winter soldier was the first one. Loki was, was involved. There was some, the she Hulk and that kind of stuff was in the group, but there was also things like Jupiter's legacy and a few others that were, uh, off the beaten path, per, right. so to speak. So that just got one of you to thinking about, hey, there's some other groups out there besides the Avengers and the Justice League we could talk about. So here we are. So, Jay, we will let you start off. Who is your favorite comic book superhero? And it doesn't have to be comic book. It could be comic book derived. I know you're you're new to this segment of geekdom. We've been there <laughs> al- along the way. But uh, who, other than uh, Avengers or Justice League, who's your favorite comic book um, superhero team and why i'm gonna have to go with the teen titans and i just remember when we go. first started uh, go teen titans go. go i got it yeah i got it <laughs> oh god so two years ago uh believe it or not when we started this podcast and i kind of went through my old comic books just to kind of see what i had it's from what i recall a large percentage of them or at least a higher percentage was teen titan comics so um apparently back in the day when i was actually reading and collecting then that was one of my favorites and so now i haven't gotten very far into the live version on hbo max but i have watched a few and intend to finish that so i think just in the history of of groups that's probably at the top of my list cool what do you remember what time period that would have been would that have been george perez i wonder when he had because that was probably the heyday of Teen Titans. Are you referring to the uh, writers and, and, and the comic book? I just wonder what, what do you know what years they were from. It would have been uh, mid seventies, probably. Yeah, that would be George Perez. I bet that's when that's when uh, uh, Teen Titans was probably at its peak, and was really they were they were trying to do what they could to compete with the X Men. DC was using Teen Titans, I think, to compete with what was going on with the X Men, and okay. uh, really, really uh, successful run on that. I think I was at my peak in those years as well. <laughs> well. One thing I noticed, and y'all can fill me in on this, I was just reading some of the history of Teen Titans, and they listed Cyborg as one of the members. That's but right. Then oh, yeah. Watched Justice League, and he, and he, and he died in part of that. And he died in yeah. X Men, by the way. He died in yeah, every Cy- movie we Cyborg is traditionally Cyborg is traditionally a member of the Teen Titans. Okay. Uh, now, he was not one of the original members. The original members were Aqualad, uh, Kid Flash, and Superboy. And no, Robin. And uh, oh yeah, you're right. There were three of them, and then Wonder Girl was added, and then during the '70s, Cyborg was created, and uh, literally and figuratively, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he uh, he became part of the George Perez team. Okay, and then he joined the Justice League later. Is that kind of or is they just put him in the Justice on? League with the New Fifty Two? So that's only been within the past five or six years. Whenever the New Fifty Two was, and it's probably farther back than I thought. But that's when they that's when they pulled him from the Teen Titans because he's in the Teen Titans cartoon. He's in the Young Justice version, I believe, too. Okay, uh, and uh, but uh, when they when they revamped all of the. DC Universe for the New 52 and kind of retconned everything. And I don't remember who they replaced, if it was Green Lantern or, or whatever in the Justice League with Cyborg. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he became he became a member of the Justice League rather than the, the Teen Titans or, you know, the Titans as they're, they're called now. So it's, okay. Yeah, I just yeah. saw that. That jumped out at me. It's like, wait a minute. We just watched him mm-hmm. on the Snyder Cut. So. Uh, you know, you talked about Young Justice art, and that is um, 
that's probably my favorite version of Teen Titans. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't remember which alternate Earth it takes place in. Yeah, but, I can't either. But uh, that is that may be my favorite DC animated series. Um, yeah, it's a good one. I, yeah, it's it's. I, I love the way they handle handle Connor Superboy, and there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of those type of influences in the Titans DC formerly you know DC Universe now HBO Max series, which I think it's in right. the middle of uh, season three production. I believe season three has has commenced. So yes, um, very very nice. Okay, well, Art, who is your favorite? superhero well, team up you know I, thinking about this i was looking and you've got groups that are justice league and the avengers that pulled together existing superheroes you know and and made these these super teams uh, i think it first started with justice society you know back in the, the 40s and then you know later you had the avengers and, and then you've got teams like uh the the x-men who were basically a form team fantastic four who were a form team uh, you know that where they weren't superheroes outside of the team, they may have gone on to do separate adventures later. But you know, basically, they were a team. That, you know, the the first time you ever heard of these people was when that uh, team comic book debuted. And one of my favorites is is that uh, is uh, Legion of Superheroes, which originally started out as a group of time travelers from the 30th century meeting Superboy, going back and having adventures with Superboy. And there were just a few of them, you know, at that point. But, uh, and again, this was happening around the same time as the mid to late seventies that you had, uh, Mike Grell doing this run on the Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. And then I think it just morphed into Legion of Superheroes, but, um, you had this, this very diverse group of, of superheroes who really only existed as part of the Legion, and uh, just really liked that that storytelling that was done there. So they've always been probably my, you know, other than Justice League or, or some of the other big uh, big groups, Legion of Superheroes has always been a favorite of mine. Interesting. I noticed too when I when I looked this up, I kind of thought they showed a comic uh, cover with three of them kind of interviewing Superboy and basically yeah. saying that he didn't make the cut at first was what the cover said. And, yeah, but the the you know, some of these superhero names are a little bit on the corny side, and I, I kind of thought they were, but then I uh, went back to. Oh, you have Saturn Boy, Lightning Lass, yeah. Matter Eater, Matter Eater Boy. Like you that. have really, really, because you're talking about this stuff came about um, in the late 50s, early 60s when, you know, there was definitely a lot more campy stuff going on. Right, right. But uh, yeah, so they're, they're funny stuff. But there's also a version of. Uh, Legion of Superheroes. That was an animated version that was really well done. Well, what I was saying was that these three showed up in Smallville because I didn't. Right. I haven't gotten all the way through yeah. Smallville, but apparently they, they came in and did a little action with with Clark at that point. They, yeah, they, and they've also they've also shown up in and and in and uh, Supergirl. Okay. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, Supergirl. One of her love interests was Monel, who was um, uh, a character with a similar powers to Superboy. Uh, and in fact, his name comes from the fact that Superboy met him on a Monday, thought he was oh a cousin of his. So it's Mon Monday L. <laughs> so that's where his name came from. Uh, it turns out he's from uh, a planet similar to Krypton that was also destroyed when the Red Sun 
was done. But he can only use superpowers one at a time. I think is uh, maybe that may be Ultra Boy. I may, I get them confused. But Monel has very very similar to Superboy. Cool. Wow! Wow! Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the corners that DC has kind of painted themselves into. They have such a they've got such a long long history, but it's it's very fiftieish mm-hmm. sci fi history with these somewhat what we would call ridiculous names now Mm -hmm. and you know like the the big s on superman's you know chest which was retconned to be the symbol of the house of l you know Mm -hmm. and there's just sometimes i feel like dc should just wipe the slate and they tried to with the new 52 but that didn't go real well yeah because the thing is that what ultimately happens is those are such classic images you 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 you're probably better off trying to find a way to explain them but people really don't care that much after all but it is funny to think about you know the that um, motif of putting the s or whatever or the some type of logo on the chest of people which when the fantastic four comes out that was one of the main things that uh, they were kind of rebelling against Stan Lee and Jack Kirby because they said, we don't want these folks to look like uh, we want these looks, these folks to look like they're a team. So they'll have a, a uniform. Now granted they put a four on, <laughs> yeah. which was also kind of limiting. It's like, you know, we can't lose or add a member without changing our <laughs> uniform. But, uh, but they wanted them to feel like that. So they all have the, the basically the same uniform with the exception of the thing who may or may not be wearing a pair of, you know, bikini briefs. But, uh, you know, that's that's, well, you know, that that was a, the, the idea behind that. Bless Ben Grimm's heart. Bless and of course, that's a that's a, a takeoff from another Jack Kirby team, Challengers of the Unknown. If you ever go back and look at Challengers of the Unknown, you will see uh, what they call swipes, which is usually an artist stealing from another artist, a panel or a drawing or whatever. And they're they're very, you know, much a copy of what it is. Um and but Jack Kirby's swiping from himself himself because you'll see all this all these different things where especially when the people are finding out their powers. Look it up sometime, the challenge uh, of the unknown. I've got it. Fantastic right here. four swipes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um see I just knew you were gonna say Fantastic Four was gonna be your 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 team art. No, I mean, I, I've always liked the Fantastic Four and, and liked them. There was a, a run that uh, was later in the 70s that uh, that I liked. I think John Byrne may have done that. But uh, no, probably, like I said, uh, I was a very active collector of the Legion of Superheroes and uh, really liked them a lot. I also liked, uh, and in the 70s, to me, the team, I mean, when I was probably most active, the team for me was the X-Men. Well, that's my team. Don't step that's on it. That's why I didn't say it. Don't, no, gonna... don't step on it. Don't step on it. So go ahead, and, and that'll be the, my segue, as Jay would say, Yeah, <laughs> into, into your team. Well, and so so I I just wanted to say I threw out there the idea possibly when in Doctor Who, when all the various incarnations of the Doctor get together to take on a big bad, that would be, of course, my favorite superhero team. But I was resoundly voted down. So, yeah, I just the team from ER was always a good team, too. (laughs) (laughs) And and who doesn't love the guys on MASH? (laughs) I tell you what, (laughs) and the staff from the West Wing, they could solve any diplomatic crisis. But um, for me, it's Colts under Peyton. I mean, we could go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, for me, it it was X-Men. And, um, you know, I was more. Go ahead. ahead. 
no, no. I was going to say specifically that run. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. You'll yeah. That, and so yeah. I, I got into comics really probably mid, early mid eighties. And, okay. um, I, I'm a huge Batman fan, but I really fell in love with the X-Men. And, uh, as I really got active in comics, which was late eighties, early nineties, that was starting the, the heyday. Well, that was part of the heyday when Chris Claremont was, who I still think is probably the greatest comic book, mm-hmm. uh, writer of all time. He had this unprecedented, how many issues was he on X-Men? Oh, cause he started in the seventies. Yeah. He started in the seventies. Yeah, he was, with, he, he was with the, the John Byrne, Terry Austin were the artist on that. I think that, and that's when I would really liked him the most, but then he, he continued through the gym. Lee yeah. years, which is probably when you saw him. Yeah. 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 So. And, and, you know, to me, the, the interesting thing about X-Men is, um, yeah, you've got multiple errors now, but really, mm-hmm. um, you had a original X-Men, then you had the uh, giant size, new uncanny X-Men. And so mm-hmm. um, we went back and looked at a little bit of that. And so the original X-Men, which started in 63, was was very similar to every other superhero team. They had their blue and gold leotards. You know, you had Cyclops, you had Iceman, you had Thing, you had uh, Marvel. Not Thing. Um, no, Beast. Beast that, yeah. The Thing who's the Beast. Uh, yeah. Marvel Girl Re- yeah. and, and Angel. And, uh-huh. you know, they were very much teenagers being mentored by Charles Xavier mm-hmm. in the, the Xavier School for Special Children or whatever it was. And... So it wasn't, it was, it had an okay popularity, but it really started to stall out. Mm-hmm. And, and so what Marvel did in 75, um, you know, beginning with issue 94, well, they put out this giant size X-Men, which was 68 pages. And the premise of it was the original X-Men, the five were kidnapped and Charles Xavier had to find a whole new team to go find them. And that's where you have Wolverine, Storm, mm-hmm. you've got Colossus, Nightcrawler, and a, and a few others. But they were they were willing to come in. Oh, and Thunderbird. I forget about Thunderbird. And Banshee, mm-hmm. Sunfire. Yep. Uh, so you had this, this international team uh, come together to save the old guys. And uh, so it started this whole new era of, of – a superhero team they really got into the whole mutant um the mutant gene it became a um it became a a metaphor for racism um and it really changed the course of marvel comics i i believe Mm -hmm. i mean what what do you think art oh i think that's right um like i said the first iteration of the x-men that you're talking about seemed to me like they said okay what worked for Fantastic Four and what worked for Spider-Man? Let's combine the two. So they took a team of, you know, teenagers that, you know, and that worked great. It was a great start. But it wasn't until late 70s, you know, that they really became, I mean, they became the definition of what Marvel was. I mean, they, I know some people would argue with that, but I, I would think that for most folks, X-Men and gosh, there were so many different variations of X Men yeah. comics you could get. Well, so you know that back, was their cash cow for sure. So and with good reason. Yeah, yeah. So back in the day, you had you had Uncanny X Men, you had Classic X Men, you had um, X Force. Well, no, X Force was later. You had X Factor, New Mutants. Okay. So those were the you had X Men X. X-Factor and New Mutants. I think X-Factor is what I was thinking of. There. So X-Factor was the original team. And mm-hmm. um, in in this modern 
X-Men universe. And that's where you ended up with Apocalypse. Because if you remember, Apocalypse came in and uh, kidnapped Angel and kind of remade him into one of his four horsemen of the Apocalypse. You had Archangel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You had the the uncanny X-Men, which was the Wolverine X-Men. Cyclops mm-hmm. was kind of common through all this. Then you had the New Mutants, which was... Um, uh, youngster superheroes who are trying to learn how to control their powers. And those are the three main books. And as the X-Men exploded, Marvel said, Hey, let's go back. Let's reprint, uh, the first 93, the, the first 120 issues or whatever of X-Men, they call that classic X-Men. And so I've got mm-hmm. a bunch of those as well. Um, but and alpha force was also the, alpha, it was a Canadian X-Men, alpha flight, right? alpha, alpha flight. flight. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so you look at Claremont's run, and uh, you've got the Death of Thunderbird. You've got Phoenix. Uh, you've got the Star Jammers. Remember the Star Jammers? Yeah, I'd forgotten about those. Yeah, Alpha Flight, Proteus. Um, you know, he, Claremont brought in Mystique, Mariah McTaggart. Uh, you had the the whole Muir Island Genetic Research Facility, and mm-hmm. then um, the Dark Phoenix Saga, which still may be one of the greatest comic book sagas of all time and uh, which we still haven't seen a a good translation to the silver screen yet right um then days of future past um you've got the morlocks who came in and then um oh remember uh remember the um the the Graphic novel. Well, I saw it in a graphic novel. I've got it as a graphic novel. X Men: God Loves, Man Kills, which mm-hmm. uh, helped inspired X Men Two. Um, so anyway, I mean, you know, uh, Marvel went way overboard with X Men. There are like eighteen thousand X Men derivative books now. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, you know, maybe not quite eighteen thousand, but you had X Men Blue, you had X Men Gold, you yeah. know, and just it's it's. It's worse than a soap opera. You don't know who's alive or dead, and you don't know where they are and what they're doing and who's sleeping with who. So the other thing is, and you know, I I kind of stopped. I guess you know, uh, in eighty, hadn't really gotten anything. Picked up again a little bit eighty four. You know, through some of the mid to late eighties, uh, and. And then there was all that variant cover stuff that was, you know, especially popular with the X-Men books where, you know, you, you'd go out and you'd, you'd have to buy, you know, three to six different issues to get all the different variant covers. And that's when collecting really, really kind of kicked into another level uh, where people would buy stuff, never even open it, you know, just to get it, you know, in a plastic bag with the, with the backing board. And, you know, they'd never even look at the, the, the comic book itself. Now so, you're talking you know, they, my style. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, and I've yeah. Still, I've got some of those variants, but I mean, in yeah. that that was right before the the death of the comic book industry, where they really ran this huge bubble up and it burst. Yeah. Um, you know, we should we we've talked about this before, and we need to schedule this. We need to get uh, some of our uh, buddies who ran a huge comic book sh- store here in town for for years, and just walk mm-hmm. through the economics of the comic book business and the. The boom, the bust, what happened? So, mm-hmm. and when it comes to X Men, you know, as I was saying about the Titans earlier, if you just look back at what I owned, Titans are probably the big one. And it's, if you look at the movies that I bought, I quit buying every single thing that came out when it got so prolific. But um, I probably have more X Men movies, you know, as a genre compared to any other of 
yeah of the genres that are out there and you know and something that helped uh, the proliferation of x-men was um you know fox owned the movie rights but they also um created a animated series which was mm-hmm. really really popular as well yeah so, um, now there are other teams i mean you know that that don't get the love that i that i really like the metal man was always one of my favorite uh, oh yeah do y'all remember the metal man yeah and um of course that was just a a, a one-shot comic at first and uh they have brought them back several times over the years um that seems to me like you know, right now you're on HBO Max, you know, formerly on DC Universe. You are seeing the Titans, but you're also seeing Doom Patrol. Yeah. Which was another comic that I liked, uh, you know, at, at one point. A uh, bunch of different – Batman had Batman and the Outsiders. There's there's a bunch of different uh, groups that were formed. Uh, also, there were war comics. You know, we talk about uh, the Howling Commandos and uh, Sergeant Rock's Easy Companies Company. And, and the Losers, which I used to love as a war comic – uh, and then was retconned and turned into just a group of, uh, I guess, ex-criminals or something for that movie that they did. Uh, but that, again, those are just, there's just all different types of people putting groups together. And I think that was one thing that, especially when it got to be where you couldn't, what I understand is one of the things reasons they did it was because, you know, they were having trouble selling comics and they thought if we put all of our heroes together in a group, People will buy that comic. That's how why the Justice League, you know, became a popular thing because they said, "Well, I can't afford a Superman, Batman, or you know, whatever, but I'll buy I'll buy this group of them all together." Um, another group I always was I always kind of liked was the Defenders, which was the poor man's Avengers, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, and you know, it was like I said, Marvel. I thought did a, a neat job of of. Uh, of creating these alternate groups because the defenders was, uh, of course we've seen the, the Marvel, I mean the Netflix version of that defenders, but who all was in the original group of that? Uh, Submariner, Dr. Strange, the Hulk, um, Hold on, I'm looking, uh, the Hulk was in several groups. <laughs> yeah. The Hulk was like a hero for hire. Ha-ha. Yeah. You see what I did there, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but Luke Cage actually was in the defenders, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. Later on, but it was Dr. Strange, Hulk, uh, Submariner, Namor, uh, Silver Surfer was in the original Defenders. Wow. Yeah, that they they were first appeared as Defenders in Marvel feature number one, mm-hmm. um, and then you had Valkyrie came in, Nighthawk, Hellcat, Gargoyle, Beast, Son of Satan, and Luke Cage, and it was kind of a <laughs> the Defenders was almost like a minor league team for the Avengers. You know, mm-hmm. um, you didn't quite get the 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 big crisis. If it was a big crisis, you're gonna you're gonna call in uh, the Avengers. So, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's funny. You know, it it I, I was real excited to see what Netflix could do with it. Then it kind of mm-hmm. petered out because I I would have loved to have seen the Defenders appear in. Um, uh, in in game at the final battle, that would have been. Oh, that would have been cool. I mean, I mean I, we talked about that. That should have at least kind of a small off to the side, for, you know, thing. But we need well, a Snyder cut of that movie. With well, all our yeah. favorite people added. I mean, Jessica Jones and Daredevil. I mean, all mm-hmm. of them were great. I mean, Punisher. I never got through Punisher. Um, I thought what's his face did a great job as Punisher, but. Um, you know, I, I really like Charlie Cox as, as as Daredevil and oh, I forget her name who played Jessica Jones. Um, Luke Cage was probably my favorite of those. I mean, I like Daredevil too, but I really liked both Luke Cage seasons. Yeah, and Luke Cage, uh, that dude, 
who's on Prophecy or something on CBS. He's yeah, the, he's headlining a um, um, a series, a cult of, kind of movie now. Yeah, series. Uh-huh. So, but anyway, yeah, series. Yeah, that's right. Well, I have uh, to say, my well, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Art. What are you going to oh, say? Oh, I was just going to just talk about some some other different uh, film, TV, and film adaptations. I think uh, Super Friends was also probably one of the you know hitting as it did at the time was one of the first introductions to a lot of people of what is truly the justice league you know and, and some people people still get those confused oh this is just the super friends no actually the justice league is something different but uh, that was a that was a very popular tv show in, in several different iterations you know the sunday saturday morning cartoon hey. but i also think the more serious justice league and then justice league unlimited that came out um yeah you know were also good and it used to be justice league of america it used to be the jla and then now it's just the Justice League since it's, it's more of a not only international but interplanetary group. But there's also JLI, Justice League International, as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah and Max, but I Lord, think, Max Lord was I, involved in that in the comic books. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they tried to do with Justice League what they had seen um, Marvel do with their different versions of the Avengers and realized, okay, we could we don't have to have everybody in the in the proper Justice League, we can we can do some things that are offshoots and see what we can do. There's Justice League Dark, which is made up of just occult figures like uh, I think Doctor Fate is in that. Uh, Zat- Swamp Thing may be in that. Zatanna's yes. in that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And there was talk of a Justice League Dark movie, um, but that's that's stalled. Yeah, uh, was Constantine part of that? Yes, Constantine okay. was part of that. So we yeah. didn't even talk Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh wow! Yeah. You know, which, which has been, which, you know, I, I think was probably, uh, you know, a, a fairly successful comic book, but certainly much more successful in the movie version. Would you yeah, agree? Yeah. You don't have Chris Pratt in the comic book. And you don't yeah. have Vince Diesel going, I am Groot. <laughs> that's so, right. But, and you'll, you mentioned The Watchmen. I think we mentioned it briefly, but that's another Oh, one well, we had mentioned it today. All in. Yeah, but, yeah. That one, you know, we all went from the graphic novel to the movies and then the TV show. That's another one I've kind of been all in. And I think the Watchmen, because they were not necessarily super powered, but, you know, dressed up in head capes and gadgets and stuff. And they didn't really have necessarily, um, you know, supernatural kind of powers. And that led, I think, to my interest in, in the boys, even though I wouldn't really recommend the boys in a sense of uh, it's not a family-oriented show. Ooh, no, it's not. But yeah. I did like the idea of, you know, kind of a gritty reality. Like, this is their their people, too, even though they've got powers. And, and the good guys are not always the good guys. Like you get well, almost good versus evil within the, the same side. Yeah, and that's what they've done, I think, with the boys, with the Watchmen, uh, is they've taken analogs of the heroes we know, even though the Watchmen were based on, I think, some Charlton Comics characters. They've taken people, you know, like Owlman is definitely Batman. You've got uh, Mr. Manhattan and, and Ozymandias who are, have elements of, of Superman in them. And they're, they're able to do things with characters, explore things that if you tried to do them with the iconic, you know, superheroes we know and love, you'd, you'd never be able to do them. So I think Jupiter's Legacy explores some of that. That's a Mark Miller story that I've never read, but uh, that's and coming I out remember. as a series, I believe. Yeah. I'm trying to who's doing that. Is that a Netflix I can't thing or somebody said. else? Getting? I thought it was. But anyway, I thought it was Amazon. Uh, Jay's going to maybe it is. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then you had the boys, which was uh, again kind of like you said, seeing the dark side of uh, of superhero life, which I haven't watched yet, but I know you had 
have seen it, Jay. You've seen it too, right, Robert? Yeah, I've seen the boys. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I just started watching, I told Robbie, I started watching Titans, which I do like. I think it's really well done. I think they probably could have done it as a PG-13, and it, you wouldn't have lost anything. You might have had a wider audience appeal to it. But yeah. I know that DC tends to equate profanity with maturity. And, mm. and that, so they go, hey, this is an adult thing. They go, it looks like you got the same kind of situations that were in the comics, you know, 45 years ago. But now they're using worse language and you're still trying to make it <laughs> something that, it's, you know. So, so anyway, Netflix. That's, that's, the, that's the prude curmudgeon in me coming so out. So what we're saying is Marvel cares about character and DC cares about capes and cuss words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, Avenger, we'll Avenger statement. Yeah. But yeah. Because like you said, I mean, I think the idea of what what is going on with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Robbie, that you pointed out in this fourth episode episode. Uh, episode. That's my new term. <laughs> your episode. Uh, Isn't that something you do right. to your grass? You episode yeah, it? That's right. That's episodic. Yeah. <laughs> I put down, you put down new grass once a week. A exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Great minds think alike. Anyway. Uh, they're doing something that is a mature and thoughtful theme and are managing to do it at a PG-13 setting, whereas Titans, you know, is is doing something and kind of cashing in on the ultra-violence and graphic violence of the thing. They still, it's still got some really good storytelling in it. I'm not going to say that they're, they're sacrificing storytelling because I think they really are doing a good job of storytelling. But I think it would have been, I don't know, to me, it would have been better if you had something that, you know, you might could have involved a, a larger group of people with. I completely agree. Now, there's so. one, too, that we didn't, we haven't mentioned. Y'all, I guess we're trying to wind up here. But yesterday, I happened to be in a Goodwill store. And uh, imagine that. I actually, leave, about to leave, and I went by the DVD section, and there was a, a cover that caught my eye, and it was DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Season one. So I watched one of those last night. And, um, I mean, it's different characters. Uh, I, not quite the production value of some of the other things that we've watched. But, That's uh, an understatement. But, I mean, anyway, but it's a fun show. I mean, just I another group to mention. A couple of years, but it it was almost a has a Doctor Who element, too. The guy it does. that runs it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The first season definitely had a Doctor Who element because they had a former companion being. You, you uh, had Rory. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, you had Rory from. So the, the time cop guy from the future that puts him together. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he, he was one of uh, Matt Smith's companions from Doctor Who. Yeah. Okay. And those were all established. They may be slightly different versions of it, but they're all established DC characters that are brought together in a group. But okay, so uh, they've moved. They've Firestorm. moved way beyond him, and I think that uh, I think it's it's always been a fun. It never took itself too seriously, which yeah. I think was kind of a, a fun aspect of it. So the the joke always was on the Doctor Who side that uh, you have Amy Pond, who was married to Rory in the in mm-hmm. the in the series, complained to Matt Smith's doctors like Doctor. Rory is stolen your 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 trench coat and the TARDIS again. We got to go get him back, you know, because he he acted like a doctor, like one of the doctors um, in Legends of Tomorrow in that first mm-hmm. season. And uh, you know, the Wave Rider had a very TARDIS esque feel to it. And um, so anyway, it was it was a it was a lot of fun. But yeah. Wow. Okay. 47 minutes and change later, we're going to wrap up our episode, but I just want to say my favorite superhero team is these guys here, guys of a certain age, even though none of us have any powers whatsoever. 
stop sniveling the there, power. Jay. I was sniffing. I'm, oh. I'm tearing up. Oh. But anyway, so we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us.